Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. This podcast is brought to you by Pinecrest Printing and Signs. Do you have an image for your business? Well, Pinecrest Printing has got you covered in more ways than one. They've been providing the Tampa Bay business community with quality commercial printing and design since 2001. Their printing professionals are ready to provide you with quality marketing solutions for today's industry. They're also the newest sponsor of the Cannon Fire Podcast. From wide format banners, decals, vehicle wraps, to much, much more. Give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. We are coming back at you today with episode 74. And we are just a few days away from the Buccaneers headed to London to take on NFC South rivals, the Carolina Panthers. If you're new around here, I am your host, Rhett. Joined alongside me as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan. And like we said, there is a game in London this weekend. The Buccaneers play there, and uh, historically they haven't done super great. But Tampa Bay and Carolina will kick off at 2.30 p.m. local time, which will be 9.30 a.m. in Tampa. So, Evan, I hope you're ready to uh, rise and shine, my friend. You kind of had me 
a little confused there when you said like two thirty logo time, and then I realized that you were talking about London. Um, I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, kicker. I thought it was at I thought it was at nine thirty. Um, right. Yeah. So. Uh, now, always good when you uh, get to wake up and watch any type of football um, on a Sunday morning. So, should be uh, you know, regardless of the score, just uh, you know, you got basically you really got a full day of football. Yeah, um, ahead of you on Sunday. So football from morning until night, and I wouldn't have it Literally, any other yeah. way. I, I would just <laughs> sometimes rather my Bucks not play at nine thirty in the morning. But you know, it sucks that we got to well, get up at nine thirty. If they're going to keep playing how they are playing, you'd rather just not play at all. <laughs> it sucks that we've got to get up at 9.30, but you know who I really feel bad for are the West Coast Buckaholics who got to uh. wake up at 6.30 <clears throat> to watch this game. So big shout-out to all of them. Uh, if they're having any sort of watch parties or whatever over there, hopefully they can do that to the best of their abilities. I can't imagine watching football with coffee, but you might have to do that at 6.30 Although, in the morning. I mean, you know. They basically get a full day of football every single Sunday. Yeah. When the Bucks are play, they, when they play at one, they're you know well on the West Coast is in the AM. So and that's the thing about uh, the West Coast is that they kind of <laughs> get the advantage when it comes to the nighttime prime time games, mm-hmm. especially yep. if it's you know an eight o'clock eight thirty kickoff. They're done with the game by nine o'clock and they've got the rest of the night to do whatever. If it's an overtime mm-hmm. thriller, then we've got to be late to work the next day. So it is how it is, but. Uh, I like our times over here on the East Coast. So today on the show, we're not here to talk to you about time zones. We're here to talk to you about Bucks football. And like I said, we are just a few days away. They are taking on the Panthers in London, if you didn't realize that by now. Today on the show, we're going to break down pretty much everything you need to know about that game and uh, what the Bucks are going to need to do if they want to go in there and pick up a win. And with the win, you're 3-3 three and three headed into the bye week and... It's a lot better than two and four headed into the bye week. So let's break this game down. First and foremost, I got to say this. If there's going to be any game this season that is not a high-scoring game, my gut tells me it's going to be this one. How do you feel? I would probably agree. Um, a lot of it is because it's unfamiliar territory. Um, like these players, like yeah, like the Bucks flew to London – I think it was today they flew to London. Uh, Panthers flew in last night. Um, but, I mean, these guys are still obviously not used to London, not used to these elements. Um, it's just different. So I, I do expect it to be a little bit sluggish out there. Um, we'll see what happens. And, you know, I mean, last last game week two uh, versus the two teams, it was a low-scoring game. So yeah, um, I, I would expect – I wouldn't expect a ton of scoring here, especially in the first half. Uh, maybe in the second half teams pick it up. But first half, I think it's going to go uh, pretty slow, it's, uh, especially like the first like few drives. Teams just going to really try to get their, their footing going. So Yeah, and, and something cool that I had read about this week is uh, Coach Bruce Arians came out and said he's got <clears throat> these guys on like a, a certain sleep regimen – so their bodies can adjust as naturally as possible to going all the way to London. Um, and one guy who broke that rule and he knows is not on the system is tight end O.J. Howard, who was catching foul balls at the Rays-Astros game. <laughs> it's a great catch. It was a great catch. His best catch of the year, if you haven't heard that mm. 200 times by now. I don't know. I, I think O.J. has a pretty good game. I think he finally shows up and we see him used a little bit more in London because – with this Carolina defense, it's all about mismatches, and it, you really kind of scratch your head and wonder why they haven't used OJ any sooner. Well, I don't know. I just, I personally don't think that this coaching staff is 
very confident in him after week one. I just still don't. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, I mean, you could make a good case that, I mean, he was a top three reason they lost that football game. Um, obviously there were other reasons, but I mean, he was a big reason. Um, so, you know, I still think the coaching staff hasn't forgotten about that. And, you know, like they're not, like they're not designing routes that they know Howard isn't going to get. It's just right now the ball isn't coming to him and they're not really doing anything special. Like, um, in LA, like they had the one screen to Howard, like run that again. Like, um, just do things to get the ball into his hands as, as much as you can. Yeah, and I mean, another thing, too, is I, I think from what we've seen these first five weeks is uh, he's transitioning, well, not transitioning, but he's just taking on a much larger role as a blocker. You know, yeah, that right side but... of the line, especially headed into this Sunday, because you're missing DeMar Dotson and Alex Kappa, who broke Yikes. his arm and played through the rest of the game Yikes. like an animal. Uh, but you're missing both of those guys. So, of course, you're going to expect... O.J. Howard to really have to step up and block as well because Josh Wells and Earl mm -hmm. Watford, while I believe they can do the job okay, uh, they're not going to be able to do it by themselves on the right side of that line because the Carolina pass rush is no joke. Yeah, well, and that's why I kind of think I don't know if this is the exact week that Howard gets going just because I think they're going to have to keep him him in a lot him and all claire they're not really i don't think they're going to use braid as much because braid's not the best blocker right so i think they're going to keep um howard and all claire in a lot um to try and just use him as an extra lineman uh the way the bucks have used oj howard and cameron Braid this year though is just horrible like i think i said this on the last show like if you're going to keep using cameron Braid the way you are you better trade him in the offseason um, and if you're going to keep using O.J. Howard like that, you might as well trade him for secondary or offensive line help because, you know, that's a first-round pick. And, you know, he is so talented that you using him just as a blocker so he gets two catches a game and they're both for eight yards does nothing, um, does absolutely nothing. This guy should be a top-five tight end in the NFL. And right now he's just not, and a lot of it is because of coaching scheme. Um, so well, I mean, you if, you, at... if you're going to keep using them that way, you might as well get rid of them. The good news is that I do think eventually the ball is going to come his way a whole lot more. Well, the San Francisco 49ers, I'm sure people have heard a lot about them. They've yet to lose a game. You look at the way they use George Kittle and OJ Howard. I don't want to say he's twice the athlete, but he is a better athlete than George Kittle is. I'll, I'll die on that hill saying that. Um, so if you can imagine using OJ in a situation like that, or just the way that they have it, they got to find the balance, and uh, yeah, he is going to pick up a bigger role as a blocker. But you got to get him involved. And another guy that you really got to get involved on this offense is Mike Evans. He's got to have more than zero oh. receptions this week. And he's going up against James Bradbury, who has had his number recently. So well, it'll we'll be see. it'll be interesting. James to see. James Bradbury has just uh, has really done a good job against Mike Evans over the years. Um, never limited to no catches, but. Always, always limited to four or five catches for you know fifty yards or so. Um, never really allowed that big of a play against Evans. So yeah, uh, it will be interesting to see what they do. Absolutely. Now, I brought up earlier that I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, and I wanted to open things up and talk about the defense um, because this is a battle of two productive defenses. The Bucks less so Ooh. simply because of that secondary. I was about to say, ah. but here's something I can throw at you: Carolina features the NFL's third-ranked pass defense, 
while the Buccaneers have allowed the second fewest rushing yards per game. Um, so you which got, one's which one's more important? Exactly. Which one is going to bend but not break come Sunday morning? Uh, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see. And to kind of segue into what the Bucks do well on defense, they're facing Christian McCaffrey, who it right now is the front runner for the MVP conversation. Uh, and it seems like the Buccaneers are the only team who have had any say so in that campaign so far this year. So I believe they can stop him again. I, I think, I think it'll be interesting and uh, we'll kind of go over it a little more on the checklist at the end of the show. But I think they're going to do everything they can to stop Christian McCaffrey and think about it. You've got Kyle Allen, a backup quarterback who has gone 3-0 and since Cam Newton was out. He's been doing a good job. Uh, if you can pressure him and shut down McCaffrey, then it really just kind of opens things up for Carolina to stretch the field, and that can't always be a good thing. It can if our secondary is not there. But if the pass rush is working and you can shut down McCaffrey, then, I mean, I'd say they're fairly limited on offense. I think Riverboat Ron has run out of his, uh, run out of his trick plays over the years. Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey's just on absolute tear right now, and I think it's as a tough order to stop this guy uh, twice. Um, you did it once. Uh, I'm not 100% sure you can do it again. You, you, your hope is that you can just limit him. Um, the Bucks shut him down in the first game. Yeah. Uh, their, their hope should be this time. They should expect to shut him down, but deep down inside, they should hope to just limit him. Limit him to an Alvin Kamara game. Just like just like Alvin Kamara's stats last week versus the Bucks, limit him to that, and you'll you know it'll be fine. Because Kyle Allen, a big reason why he's gone three and zero is this is when McCaffrey has really just turned it on, um, and and the defense has played well as well. So um, you know a big reason why Kyle Allen has had success he has is because of McCaffrey. So shut him down, and you can make him one dimensional. The problem with making him one dimensional is. The Bucks, obviously, just like you said, you know, their secondary has just been beaten to a pulp, and um, it, you know, there doesn't. I mean, Jamel Dean's coming back. He Todd Bowles said he's going to get a few looks in at corner. I'm not sure if it's going to be outside or inside, um, but right now this secondary is lacking a lot of confidence, especially from the corners. The safeties, I think, have actually been pretty good this year. There's been a few lapses in coverage, but overall, especially Jordan Whitehead. Yeah, I'm not um, I'm not worried at the safety position. It's the uh, biggest I, thing this secondary has showed us is they just need a number one corner. We said that last yeah, week and I'm well, pretty sure we said it the week before. Yeah. Because I mean just like Pewter Report said on their they said it on their post game press conference, uh, the Pewter Nation podcast. I think it was episode one fifty one or something. They said, you know, if you if you get a number one corner, it, it moves everyone down one slot. So they basically describe Vernon Hargraves as a number two corner slashing nickel corner playing cornerback one. And then they label Davis as a number two corner, like a fringe number two corner playing cornerback two, like CB2. And then they said, and then you have a lot of unknowns. MJ Stewart's just not fast enough. He's more physical this year, but he's just not fast enough. And Sean Murphy Bunting um, hasn't been great, even though he had a good day in New Orleans. Uh, then Jamel Dean's the unknown. So um, if you acquire a number one corner, which like I will keep saying, and I will be shocked if it actually, you know, if this, if I'm wrong, I'll be shocked. Um, wouldn't expect them to do it in the off, and I mean during the season. Uh, you, you this is not. It, go ahead. 
It's crazy, too, because a roster move that the Buccaneers made today we've yet to go over. Uh, they release safety slash linebacker slash whatever the hell they used him as, Dayon Money Buchanan. Um, they released Extra linebacker. third round pick. Yep, that's a compens- <laughs> uh, comp- compensatory. Compensatory, yeah. Yes, third round pick. Uh, they didn't get any money off of it because I think his contract was already fully guaranteed. Um, but they do get that like third round pick. So, with moving that around in kind of the cap space situation they're in now, there's a couple of guys that fill out the description of what the Bucks are able to do. Uh, <clears throat> Patrick Peterson. But, like you said, I just truly don't believe that this front office is hungry enough to go out and get a guy like that right now. Like, it'd be nice I, to see them do it, but I truly do not expect it to happen as much as I, I would like it to. The, no, the big thing right now for me is the money thing. The Bucks have a lot more money available in the offseason, and it would be much easier to trade for a guy in the offseason. Um, like, it just would. Uh, you know, would I, I would trade for Patrick Peterson, yeah. Like, I would. Um, right now, I'd offer one of those third-round picks and my second-round pick to trade for Patrick Peterson. That's what I would offer. Probably wouldn't go any more than that. Um, a third and a second is pretty good. Um, for, uh, you know, a corner that is, you know, he's really good still, but I mean, he's getting up there in age on a team that's looking to rebuild, like anything more in a second and, and third to me is kind of a little bit much, but, uh, the pure, the pure report guys talked about, you know, first round pick. I, I wouldn't do that. Um, only way I'm trading a first round pick is if I'm getting a guy like Jalen, Jalen Ramsey or something. Like if the Jags wanted a, just a first round pick for Jalen Ramsey, yes, I would do that. But, um, in this case, no. But, I mean, yeah, and, and you got to remember now, you can trade those compens- compensatory. Ah, man, I messed yeah, it up. I got you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can trade those now, and you weren't able to do that in the past. So that could be a factor in the offseason. Um, but right now, I just think the Bucks' money situation is just too tight. They would just have to do a lot of finagling um, in order to, to get to get um, the amount of money needed for Patrick Peterson. I believe he's making $9 million this year. So, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I mentioned Patrick Peterson. I've also mentioned on the show, I haven't heard it mentioned really much elsewhere, um, Xavier Rhodes in Minnesota. Um, I've mentioned him as well. Minnesota's kind of struggling right now. Maybe they want to change. Um, Xavier Rhodes is, you know, kind of in the same boat as Peterson. He's about 29 years old. Got two years this year, next year left on the deal, I believe, on his contract. Um, so that's another name to look out for. But like I said, I just I wouldn't expect it at all it'll, right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see, and it's definitely a piece that needs to help out this defense. But talking about this defense, let's go over a few more things about this game <clears throat> on Sunday, and then we can talk about the other side of the ball. Then we'll get to our checklist and break it down. Uh, so on this defense, we mentioned it before, but for the second week in a row, Tampa Bay's defense will face an offense being operated by a second-string quarterback. A second-year Kyle Allen has filled in for the injured Cam Newton, and uh, he's done a pretty damn good job. <laughs> Cam Newton, he, he's done so good, Cam Newton might not have a job. Like the Saints with Teddy Bridgewater, the Panthers are 3-0 and since their number one quarterback was forced to the sideline. Uh, of course, no matter who's under center for Carolina, they're going to spend a lot of time throwing short passes and handing it off to Christian McCaffrey, which we already kind of talked about. But 
we know what the Buccaneers do against backup quarterbacks. And uh, like we said, if they put the Carolina offense in a position to stretch the field out, you take away McCaffrey and you pressure Kyle Allen, sure, it helps him get the ball out a little faster, which can lead to some bad throws. But it's important that the pass rush gets there because if they stretch the field yeah. and they start to do it well, then you're in trouble because all it takes is a drive or two and they've pretty much got you figured out. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of people have been just absolutely murdering the secondary. But I, you know, I've said like it goes hand in hand. Like the pass rush definitely has to be better too. Um, because it, I don't, in, the, in today's NFL, it doesn't matter how good your secondary is. You could, they could have Patrick Peterson back there. If the Bucks pass rush is the same way it, it, it was in New Orleans, it won't matter. Um, Patrick Peterson will, will be torched um, because they just didn't get there. Um, they didn't get there early. They didn't get there often. Um, they just didn't. And, I mean, the Saints offensive line, I think, is one of the more underrated units in the league. Like, I think they're just really good. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't. Them. Yeah, I don't think the Panthers offensive line is that great. So, if you're going to get pass rush, you got to get here. Um, and you got to get early. I mean, they're going to – a lot of teams like the Rams, the, the Rams decided, hey, you know, the Bucks are good at stopping the run. We're not going to run the ball. The Panthers, they're not going to do that. They're, they're going to try to still run the ball because they know they got this just great weapon in Christian McCaffrey. And it's up to the Bucks to stop them. But then, you know, you got to stop them. And a big key for me, third down defense. That yeah. was one of the biggest reasons after I, I looked at the tape and I and I also looked at just on the Buccaneers app, I just looked at the, the drive, the drive sheet. Um, it was uh, impressive of how bad they were on third down, I guess. I don't know. Um, because their third down defense, it didn't matter what how long it was, it seemed like the Saints were just getting whatever they wanted on third down and that has to be better and if it's not you know the bucks are going to lose again and it's going to look very similar to, to last week especially and on offense same thing you know yeah. their third downs they just didn't convert enough and if they don't if they do that same exact thing this week it's going to be the same exact result and that's something that we've seen from this bucks defense in the past i mean over the years but even a little bit this season is an offense will get themselves backed up so far, or even the Bucks defense will come up with two great stops, then it'll be third and long. It'll be third and 15-plus. And just like that, the team on offense converts for a first down, and then you've got these guys still on the field for three more drives. They're tired as hell, mm. and they get worn down. We've seen it before. And, yeah, like you said, they really got to work on getting off the field on third down. It doesn't matter if you stop the running back on first and second down if you give up. On third and six, you give up the eight-yard pass. It, yeah. it it does not matter what you know. Oh yeah, you held the running back to four yards there, but they still got it. So yeah. um, that's got to be a big emphasis. Also, you got to watch McCaffrey out of the backfield because he can also catch the ball. So I would have a guy on him at all times. Uh, there was the one play in New Orleans where Kamara just completely was wide open. I just he just rolled out in the flat. And it was just wide open. Uh, that can't happen against McCaffrey. If that's the play I'm thinking of, wasn't Taysom Hill on the field? I'm not sure, honestly. Because if he was, then I remember they were coming out in like a special defensive package simply when Hill was on the field. I so don't like, think so. Okay. All right. I, I'm, I, uh, Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback. I'm not sure if Taysom Hill was lined up as a receiver or not. But well, they had him Teddy, lined up as Teddy a damn tight end one, uh, one play last week. <laughs> He can do it all. The, oh, the good man. news is that the Panthers don't really have somebody like that. So Yeah, God, I hate that guy. Um, <laughs> 
So let's talk about this Buccaneers offense. They really weren't able mm. to get things rolling the way they should have in New Orleans. They were very high-powered against L.A. We're not going to get that high-powered of an offense because, like I've stated before, I just don't think this is going to be that high-scoring of a game. Um, so I think we're going to see – let's start with Jameis Winston – I think we're going to see a Jameis Winston very similar to the last time we saw Jameis Winston play the Panthers, and that's mm. cool, calm, and conservative. Emphasis on conservative. Can't turn the ball over, but I don't think he's going to have a lot of room to fling it either, and so he's going to have to get comfortable with his check down passes and uh, relying on the run game to open things up a little bit. Well, they're going to have to do a lot of short, quick passes, so... Um, they're not going to have a lot of time in the pocket. If they come out with the same exact game plan they did in New Orleans, guess what? It's going to be the same result of Winston getting sacked two, three times in a row, yeah. and that's it. So Because in New Orleans, I mean, they just put – it almost looked like a dirt cutter offense. I mean, they just had such long developing routes, and just it, it just it wasn't beneficial to James Winston at all. Um, and it's for now, for Carolina, they got to have, you know, have O.J. Howard on a – four-yard curl, you know, have Cameron Brady on a three-yard out, have Chris Godwin on a quick slant, have Mike Evans on a screen, just little things like that you got to do. And um, while they are, I mean, we just talked about OJ picking up a bigger uh, role as a blocker, but if there's any game they're going to get involved, it's going to be this situation because you're looking to the check down so much. And, I mean, OJ, he's yeah. a guy you can toss it to him six yards. He'll break a tackle and pick up they, two more, hopefully. They, they might want the, like, the tight end to maybe, like, go out for, like, a five-yard curl, but chip, like, the edge rusher first. Right. Give, like, the edge rusher, like, a little a little block and then go out in the route. Um, I mean, I think the Panthers are the number one lead league in sacks. Um, yeah, so I think they do as well. Uh, they don't have K-1 short, uh, which is a big loss for them up the middle, but they have Brian Burns, who has emerged as a leader for – early leader for defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Um, who – I didn't really say it much pre-draft, um, but I, I did think about it because I thought of Burns like really highly. <clears throat> so, as a lot of you know, uh, I wasn't the the biggest fan of the Devin White pick at five. Speaking of Devin White, he will be starting. Um, the Bucks said that. Oh yeah. So he's gonna you be a, actually playing. You were uh, a Quinnen Williams guy. Well, yeah, because he's the best player in the draft, but. Um, it's just he's on the crappy Jets now and just gets Achoo, sucked in that Bless hole. you. Thank you. That made him the best player that was in the great. draft. That, was that great. made him the best player in the draft. All of his post-draft interviews, he's yeah. a dude, dude. Anyways, so Quinn Williams went. I mean, the Bucks didn't even get a chance to pick him. But So if I would have stayed at five, I would have picked Ed Oliver from, you know, from Houston. He went to Buffalo at nine, whatever. What I would have done, if you didn't want to pick Ed Oliver, what I would have done was I would have traded back to wherever, um, just in front of the Panthers, and I would have picked Brian Burns. Um, I would have gotten the extra draft picks, and I would have picked this guy. I think he probably, behind Nick Bosa, was probably the second-best pass rusher in the draft. Um, it was just a force, man. Uh, and it was... It's over, whatever. Um, but, you know, Devin White, like I said, a little quick segue storyline there. He's going to play. Um, so everybody said, oh, Kevin Minter was in there. Devin White's going to play. I don't I don't think it'll be every single snap, but I, I do think it'll probably be, you know, six, like 60-40 Devin White. Um, so 
that's a big, it's a big boost. Um, and we'll, we'll see how he adjusts because obviously this is a lot of these players first London game, but I mean, being a rookie going to London, it's gotta be a huge, you know, different. So, and coming um, off of an injury, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely, but, um, just getting back to the offense here. One of my biggest keys is obviously get the ball quick, but also you, yeah, you got to run the ball. Like you said earlier, right? You have to run the ball. Um, in Carolina week two, they ran the ball a good bit. Peyton Barber got most of the carries and Barber performed pretty well that game. Uh, Ronald Jones didn't, I think he got like 13% of the snaps. I think he'll get a little bit more there, but I'm not sure like if he'll get more than Barber just because I think Barber's style is better suited against this Panthers team. It, uh, and that's what I was going to bring up as well, is that I think going to Barber in this situation, at least at first, you know, uh, letting him get a majority of the carries is exactly what we've talked about all season long, is letting him wear these guys down on defense, because the biggest threat that I see to the run game on defense is Luke freaking Keekly. He's everywhere. Um, I mean, he's just he's an animal. He, yeah, he is sideline to sideline, everywhere he needs to be. I think he registered like 17 tackles last time he played on Thursday Night Football. But Peyton Barber is the type of guy who Luke Keekly can hit him, and Peyton Barber will hit him back. And uh, yeah. I think that's what you need to do instead of throwing Rojo to the Wolves immediately, because if you can wear him down at least a little bit, that can save some hide for Rojo when uh, he starts getting the carries. And, I mean, also, like, the Panthers are going to put a big emphasis on stopping Chris Godwin because they really didn't do that last time. Somebody <laughs> else. Oh, no, like, they didn't. Justin Watson, Scotty Miller, somebody's got to step up. Um, somebody's got to make a big play. Uh, if I was the Bucks, I would run that Scotty Miller uh, jet sweep again. That was that was nice. Um, yeah. That end around that worked. Yards, that yeah, was great that worked out well. Um, you know, if you do that once, once a game, like why not? You know, if it keeps working, um, if you get the look you want on defense. So, uh, but yeah, Bobo Wilson, Justin Watson, Scotty Miller, one of those guys got to step up. None have really taken the reins out of the three. I would say Bobo Wilson's probably looked the best, but Bobo Wilson's had probably had the most snaps. So, I mean. You know, you're, you're going to probably look better if you get more snaps than the other guys. Right. Um, but, yeah, somebody's got to step up there. Rashad Perryman's not playing in this game. It's already been announced. Um, Rashad Perryman was in the Week 2 game, so that's one less thing that Carolina has to worry about. Because, yes, while Rashad Perryman hasn't been that great, I mean, he's still pretty darn fast. And, like, Scotty Miller's fast, but, I mean, I'd be more scared of Rashad Perryman than Scotty Miller. He's definitely um, a bigger game plan need. Like, when you're another team, you're going to game plan a guy around a guy that has speed like Brashad Perryman, yeah. whether he's catching the ball or not. Because yeah, it's, it's not it's not Deshaun Jackson-like, but it's, it's definitely a, a thought in a defensive quarter, coordinator's mind. Like, you don't you don't want to match up Brashad Perryman against your, you know, your slowest corner one-on-one on a deep route. Like, well, he had a surefire just... touchdown week, too, until he dropped it. So, I mean, you, you saw how they were able to use the guy and how teams like Carolina just were kind of unprepared for him a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, but, yeah, one of those three guys has to step up because it can't just be the Godwin and Evan show. And like I said, I don't think this is the week for the O.J. Howard breakout game just because they're going to be really using him as an extra blocker because they're going to need it. And, and like you said about Josh Wells and Alex Kappa, um, sorry, uh, Earl Watford getting the start, um, you know, 
next man up, right? I mean, Earl Wofford's <laughs> been with them ever since the offseason. Uh, signed with them as a free agent. Josh Wells signed as a free agent after they cut Caleb Benenock, uh, who is now a Carolina Panther. We were going to get into that in a little bit later. Yes. Um, so, I mean, just do your best, I guess. Um, everybody's going to say, well, this guy came in and on play allowed one sack. Look. He didn't expect that to is, play. <laughs> that is such a yeah, that's such a tough situation to put him in. The Saints knew the Bucks were passing the ball. It's a road game and a tough place to play. You're going in on the first play after I believe they had already gotten a sack on the play before that. I mean, that's just that's so difficult. Um so I think with a week's worth of preparation now, I mean he did have a did have a baby this week, so congratulations to him. Oh yeah. Um, awesome but, man. You know, but hopefully that I mean he was still able to get, you know, a full week's worth of you know, practice in and be prepared for this because the Panthers, you know, Mario Addison, Brian Burns, like uh, Gerald McCoy is still a solid pass rusher. And you know, they're going to want, you know, Gerald McCoy against Earl Watford. And yeah. last time Alex Kappa and Ali Morpet did a pretty solid job against Gerald McCoy. I think McCoy could find more success against Watford than he did against Kappa. So yeah. um, we will see, but that right side of the line, man, that's, that's looking scary. Um, it, it, I mean, that's, that's your whole right side out. So um, left side is going to have to play well because you're going to have to balance it. But um, It's a big man. question mark at the offensive line, but just like you said, if the left side can play well, if guys like Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, and Donovan Smith can play well, and to be fair, they've been playing some kick-ass football all year long, um, if they can continue to do well and just hold up that offensive line and keep things clean, that's very, very important. Keep things clean, and with newer guys like Watford and Wells coming in, it's going to be something that I'll have to rub off on them because I feel like we're going to get more than one holding penalty from maybe Earl Watford. But uh, you never know. It's a big question mark, but if those guys on the left side can do their job, then I'm confident the guys on the right can do a good job filling in. Let's move on now. Let's talk about some interesting connections between the Bucks and this Panthers team. One of them you already brought up. There's two others as well. And then we'll get to our checklist and break it down. So, the guy you brought up, offensive tackle, part-time revolving door, any local hotel, Caleb Beninock, recently got signed by the Panthers after his release by the Patriots. He did play for New England for a little while. He was drafted by Tampa in the fifth round of 2016. He played three full seasons for the Bucks and was on their active roster to start the 2019 season before being waived. So uh, I kind of feel good if he's going to be starting for Carolina. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Is I don't think he is. I don't know. He probably. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I don't think he is. He probably won't be. But if I see him trot into the game at any point, then I'm going to put my money on the defensive lineman shooting that gap. Uh, Carolina cornerback JV and Elliott originally entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent with the Bucks in 2016. He was a guy that found a way to stick around. He spent portions of the next three seasons on Tampa Bay's active roster, including all of 2017. And he also appeared in 37 regular season games with seven starts. He was an all right corner. One of those guys who just kind of found a way to stick around, but now he's playing for Carolina. This third connection is one that I don't like bringing up a lot. And we've mentioned it before, but we got to talk about it. Panthers defensive tackle Jared McCoy, you might have heard of him. He was drafted by the Bucks third overall in the 2010 draft. He spent his first nine seasons in Tampa, six-time Pro Bowler. They're tied for the most in franchise history, 
and he also has 50 and a half sacks as a Buccaneer. That's fourth in team history. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bucks are playing well, Gerald McCoy, and I'll say this. It'll be nice to uh, – it'll be nice to see these guys sweep Carolina and deny Gerald McCoy the satisfaction of saying that going to Carolina gave him any form of revenge. It'd be nice. Oh, man. He plays for the Panthers, like, really. Like, I don't know. Like, I understand you're doing the connections thing, but, like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like the, the whole Jerome McCoy thing is kind of, like, over now. Huh? No, I definitely think it's drawn out. But for the sake of a division game and for the sake of a guy who before the season made it clear that, yeah, we play Tampa Bay, it's going to be interesting, um, it would mm. be nice to see him lose twice. And it would be nice to see the Bucks sweep a division opponent because I think they have the ability to sweep Atlanta, but it'd be nice to see him sweep Carolina. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, this, this is a big game. I'm going to get into the importance, in the importance of that um, coming up here, uh, probably before our checklist. Um, so... I mean, Gerald McCoy, he signed a one-year deal, I believe, in Carolina, so I'm not really sure where he's going to end up next year. Uh, maybe he wants like to retire a buck, and I mean, I believe him 100%. Oh, well, yeah, he will, but that that bit, that means like he'll sign a one-day contract Yeah. Um, when his career's over, so he ain't retiring next year. Um, he's only 31 years old. Um, so we're 32. I'm not, not 100% sure. Um Maybe maybe we'll go to like Atlanta or the Saints and just if he doesn't beat the Bucks now, just keep trying to beat the Bucks. Um, Man, that wouldn't be like, wouldn't that be something every, if he hit every team takes. in the wheelhouse, every <clears throat> NFC South team? I would feel if if he did that in the Bucks, like, and he still didn't beat the Bucks, like the Bucks swept the Saints and the Bucks swept the Falcons <laughs> the next year, I'd feel bad for him almost. The dude, the dude never beat those teams with the Bucks, and then when he goes to those teams, the Bucks beat him. Right, like, um. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, Gerald McCoy, like, in the back of his mind, like, you know. Like, he had to be thinking on that fourth down play. Like, wow. Like, that's never happened with, with me. Like, right. that never happened in Tampa. Um, like, he was probably thinking, like, all right, yeah, McCaffrey's going to score. And, you know, that's that. But, yeah, then he's probably thinking he probably never really admitted it. Um, maybe, like, his family or something. But he's probably like, yeah, that would never in all my years in Tampa, that never happened. That was that was always a fourth down conversion, um, and we thought it was the turning point for the Bucks defense. But it turns out, this Bucks defense. I'm, yeah, defense was different, and as it turns out, the defense has a lot more work to do um, than we thought. Because you know, back then we were like, wow. Back then, I make it sound like it's <laughs> five years ago. Right. Um, you know, we were like, "Wow!" Like, you know, like this defense might be turned a page and stuff like that. Like, that's a big time play. And I even went on this show and I said, "You know, that's a type of play that a championship team makes." Um, I was not calling the Bucks a championship team. I just said that's the type of play. You know, fourth and one, need a stop, get the stop to win the game. That's the type of play. Um, so, without further ado, I'm going to go into my little tiny. Um, not really rant, but sort of like almost like a. This is my my opinion on like how important I think this game is. Uh, we'll, call before it, uh, our... we'll call it Evan's soapbox. Um. So the checklist is coming up next, but 
I want to talk about how important this game is. Uh, because we did talk about it a little bit on the Monday show that, like, this game is important, but, like, losing to Tennessee, like, losing this game and losing to Tennessee would spell an end of the season. Um, the more I thought about it, the more I think this game is probably the more important one, just because this is a division game. Bless you. Uh, being able to... Um, being able to sweep a division opponent is a really big deal. The Bucks, I believe, haven't won in London at all. Um, I'm not sure if the Panthers have, but I know the Bucks haven't. Um, actually, a little fun fact before I really get into why it's a must-win. Um, Bucks in 2011 were 4-2 and riding high going into London. And they were in, I believe, first or second place in the NFC South. And the Bucks lost that London game versus the Bears. They and then went on to the lose. crap kicked out of them that game by the Bears. And then it was a close game at the end of like the, the final score, but like it felt just like out of reach from the beginning. It was really like the Saints game last week. Like it was a close game, the final score, like it's close, but um, you just never really felt like there was a chance. Um, so, and they lost the next nine games, and Raheem Morris was fired. So four and two, lost ten straight, and that that was the game that started. I so, remember. I remember vividly from that game. I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, whenever I think about that game, I think about Josh Freeman throwing four interceptions. Do you remember that? Kind of. That was when I just <laughs> really first started watching him. So. Oh, I got you. Well, that was that was the beginning of the end for Josh Freeman because four I don't, picks. No, he, had that, he, had that, he had that year in 2012. He had that. Uh, I mean, 2011, yeah, but... 2011 was a down year, but 2012 he was good. He was all right, but, I mean, he showed us signs of what was to come, and I don't know, man, it's hard to shake a four-interception game, even if you're Jameis Winston. So that's just what I remember the most about that Bears beatdown was four freaking picks. Mm. Well, is the only difference between uh, Jameis Winston and Josh Freeman their number? Stop. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. Stop it. Um, anyways. Um, We're not doing so that. So the importance <laughs> of the game, I think – is that one? Like I said, one, it's a division game. Two, anytime we get to sweep a division opponent. But three, like like you said earlier, going into the bye week, three and three, five hundred sounds so much better than going into the bye week, two games under five hundred. You're third in the division. Um, Probably like you will be third. at that point if Atlanta Maybe. wins. If, if Atlanta wins, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how the tiebreakers go though. I'm not. I don't think. Actually, I think the Bucks would still be third because they have a division win over Carolina, and I don't think Atlanta has played anybody in the division yet. That's true. So I think the Bucks would still be third no matter what. But if you win, you can be second in the NFC South uh, in, in the bye week. After the bye week, you might get Jason Pierre-Paul back. There's a winnable game versus Tennessee. Seattle, that's tough. Then winnable game versus Arizona. I still believe that that Saints game is a winnable game. The Saints just... They don't typically play the best in Tampa, and I think the Bucs can catch them off guard. And then you have the Falcons still twice, and they've just really been struggling. Um, and there's just a ton of talent on that team, so I really don't know like what the deal is there. Um, like There is a ton, like offense and defense. Like Both have been a disappointment. There's just a ton of talent, so not really sure, but they're struggling. Um, Jacksonville, is you don't really know what you're going to get. Um, so there's a chance here that the Bucs can really – um, stay in contention here up until, you know, like maybe the last two, three weeks of the season. Yeah, and you but laughed got, at me when I said maybe they'd have a shot at the division one more time okay, this they're year. Not, they're not. I never said they're going to have a shot to, at the division. Um, I said 
like the playoffs basically like wild card. Okay, no, I'm, I was just I was just Saints Saints are Saints are four and one right now. I like, was giving people, you a hard time. I think I don't think people realize that that the Saints are four and one. Like, yeah, like their record and they have Jacksonville this week. They're likely to beat Jacksonville um, to go five and one. So need Minshew and that mustache to come in clutch. Help us out with this division, man. Um, keep it anyway. interesting. <laughs> um, just so Rhett can be right. Uh, <laughs> so. I mean, I yeah, I just think that this game is a critical point. You can't rely on a because if you lose this game, then you're relying on to yourself to really go on a run. Um, which you got to beat Tennessee, then you got to beat somebody that you weren't expecting to beat, like a Seattle or uh, maybe you know a New Orleans in Tampa again, or a Houston or uh, Indianapolis. Seattle, another one of those teams. They've been red hot so far. Yeah, and that that game is might be brutal. Like. I don't know how they're going to play in that game. Well, we got to see how they play the two games before it, to be honest. Of course, of course. But um, just looking ahead, that might not be too fun. Um, But like I said, this game is just so important. So far, time for it to go up again, you know. And just like Bruce Arians said, you know, we'll see how good leadership is on this team. Good leadership doesn't – you don't lose two in a row, right? Um, if you have good leadership, you don't lose two games in a row. And the Bucks have not done that yet. They lost one, lost one, lost. What's going to happen here? What happens here could define their season. Going into the bye week two and four, losing two straight finally, which would be, you know, you still got two more games on a road. It would just be a confidence killer. And But imagine, you know, you, you get a big win in London for the first time ever, sweep the Panthers for the first time since 2016, Going to the bye week at 500, still second in the division. You're getting one of your best pass rushers back. You got to be feeling pretty good about that. Like, you, you really do. And, and the second half of your schedule is much more favorable than the first half was. Like, you have to be feeling much more favorable about that. But it all starts on Sunday. And if you don't win on Sunday, it puts this season in a lot of serious jeopardy. Yeah. So a very, very important game, like you said. It's going to set the tone for everything that happens after the bye week because you go into the bye week, you make your adjustments, you focus on what you're good at, what you're not so good at. But going in there 3-3 three and three and kind of almost starting afterwards, like 0-0. Zero and zero. It's almost like the season yeah. starts again because you're at 500. You don't yeah, have, basically. Yeah. yeah, you're not chasing wins. You're not... And- at this point, like you get Jason Pierre-Paul back, uh, Demar Dotson after you know basically a two-week break might be back from his injury. Um, I don't think Alex Kappa will be back, but like he might be back like week nine or week ten after you know after the bye. Um, it's a broken arm, so but I mean the medicine and the medical things that these guys have right now is just unreal. Yeah, um, you can recover from a broken arm like that. Um, so. I wouldn't expect Kappa to miss a whole lot of time, but like week nine, week ten, maybe you get him back. Week eight, you get Dodson back. If Jason Pierre Paul's even on the field in week eight, I'd call it a win. So, I mean, dude, like that's that's a lot of good reinforcements there. And um, yeah. the bye week's about getting healthy, but you'd be feeling a lot better going off of the bye uh, with a win. 
And a big thing kind of that you had mentioned that medical staff and the medicine and the equipment that they have to get these guys back to 100% or even just playing ability, uh, you got to commend that because I think it's something that has improved even though there isn't a direct comparison. There's no, there's no MRSA infections anymore? <laughs> right, right. Um, so the way these guys have been able to stay a little bit healthy and, and guys like JPP bouncing back from injury, especially guys like Devin White, who you're glad to see back in starting this week, they don't want to rush him in there, but they're doing a good job with managing those players on the roster. But again, just like you said, very, very important game for the Bucks this week. Let's move on to our checklist, then we'll break it down and get out of here. So this is your weekly checklist on CFP. We do it every pregame show. And it's uh, just a few points that if the Bucks want to win this game, they're going to have to make sure they check off some things on this checklist. So for my checklist few things and uh two of them are going to seem slightly obvious but the first one is contain christian mccaffrey yes seems like a bit of a gimme but the bucks seem like the only team so far this season who have had a say so in cmc's mvp performance i think they've got the ability to do it again and force the panthers to stretch the field which like we said could be a good thing could be a bad thing but if you follow up with the second point on my checklist and you're able to pressure Kyle Allen, maybe it'll make stretching the field a bad thing for Carolina if that pass rush can get there. It's another one of those points that seems kind of obvious, but it's just as important as ever this week to establish a pass rush. Finding the combination to pressure Allen and contain McCaffrey takes away a few offensive, uh, offensive options for Carolina, and it makes them limited, which is exactly what you want when you're going up against a D or an offense that's been playing fairly well especially with a backup quarterback because we know how that goes with the Bucks. So uh, doing that keeps it a low-scoring affair, and it keeps the Bucks in this game, and I think it makes it winnable. So, uh, I mean, yeah, man. What do you think of those first two? Because I've got one more. I mean, yeah, like you said, the McCaffrey one's pretty obvious. Um, got to stop him. Because if you let him run wild, the Panthers are going to be able to do whatever they want on offense. Yep. And they're going to be able to control the clock, dictate the entire game, and, yeah, you're just putting the Bucks' offense in a bad position. Um, Kyle Allen getting pressure on him, sure. But, like like I said, secondary and pass rush got to go hand in hand, right? If the pass rush is it does not show up. Shaq Barrett had three sacks last time the Panthers played the Bucks. I wouldn't expect three sacks again. Um, yeah, they I definitely – they're going to – they're gonna try their best to have an answer for him this week. Yeah, they're they're not gonna they're not stupid. Like they they're gonna watch the film and like they knew that like the Friday after that Thursday game. Oh yeah, well we you know when we play these guys in London, we gotta stop him. He's <laughs> um, really he was the only one that really got a lot of pressure in that game. If you, you know, if you and remember. a scary thing too is that if Shaq Barrett hasn't put up the numbers that he has this year, uh, the Bucks this would Bucks not have. Scarce. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's there's no pass rush if Shaq Barrett hasn't been a complete surprise. Um, like it would be decent, but like probably below average. Um, so yeah, Carl Nassib's got to step up, and now we can do a VFA. Got to do a good job of containing that run. Um, maybe get a little bit of pressure from those two this week. Um, and I mean, having Devin White in can also help out on the blitzes if they really yeah, want to go. Yeah, not route. not really sure how much they'll blitz uh, Devin White. Because, like I said, it's the first game back, so we'll see. Uh, I'll do my prediction, though. I predict, uh, I'll predict that Shaq Barrett gets another sack. Um, Shaq Barrett and Carl Nassib are the two guys that get sacks this week. And that's – that's Bucks get two sacks, and it's Shaq Barrett and Carl Nassib. Okay. I like it. I like it. 
Now I've got one more thing on my checklist and then you can throw in your checklist if you have one and then we'll do some final score predictions and get out of here. Uh, the last thing on my checklist is commit to the run. We saw the Bucks shy away from running the ball in New Orleans, and that just cannot happen if you want to compete in football games, especially when you're getting shut down on offense throwing the ball. So establishing the run early and often keeps your offense gelling. It keeps Jameis conservative and comfortable in the pocket, and it keeps Gerald McCoy running past the play nine out of ten times. Mm, so you're going to want to run Still the on it. Still on it. <laughs> I'm that petty guy, man. I'm going to make jokes about McCoy when we play him. But after this game, then maybe all will be forgiven. Well, at least this is like the last time this season. Absolutely. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but I agree. Um, you know, I understand. Like, we talked about this on Monday show. Like, there was a time in the fourth quarter in the New Orleans game with, like, 11 minutes left. And I was like, you know, just still run the ball. Like, you've been running the ball decent. And they just didn't. And they just kept throwing the ball, kept throwing the ball. And it kept getting Jameis killed because the offensive line just was not good. So when your offensive line struggling like that, the best way to neutralize that is to run the ball. And that's the best way to neutralize a good defensive line. Um, obviously, with the linebackers that the Panthers have, it makes things a little bit more difficult. Um, because Keekley is going to be plugging a lot of those holes, but um, try to get creative, man. Get runs to the outside. Get a jet sweep with Scotty Miller. You know, um, try to get as creative as you can. Just make sure that you know you guys are running the ball, and obviously be smart about it. If you're not gaining, if you're losing yards every time you run the ball, don't keep just running and running and running and running. You got to do something else. You got to do something different. Yeah. Um, but as long as you know. Just don't, you know, if, if you get a drive where you're going, you know, run five yards, run three yards, run four yards first down. Don't go pass, 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 you know. Um, stick with it. Stick with what works, you know. Um, well, one of the two things on my checklist, it's red zone play calling, which honestly the Bucks didn't really get in the red zone much in Orleans, so it didn't really matter. Um, but red zone play calling has to be better, I believe. Um, it just, it wasn't the greatest like all year so um that has to be better and i think matt gay has to make all of his kicks and his wife is actually i believe it's his wife it's actually from um the uk i believe oh nice um so it's a nice little homecoming so hopefully he can put on a show there and uh, make all of his kicks but i'm not sure really sure how the wind and stuff plays over there um I'm not really sure if it's easier or harder to make kicks. Like, you know, like, whenever the NFL plays in New Mexico, like, it's easier to make kicks because the ground <laughs> right. level is, like, you know, like, crazy. So, um, you're, like, below sea level or whatever um, or above whatever. I don't know. Um, I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> I, I'll say it. I, I don't care. No, well, let me um, be fair. Down here in Florida, you're pretty much below and at sea yeah. level around everywhere. So, I, yeah. I think it's the opposite. But I get what you're saying. I totally do. So I mean, yeah, just just make them like it's it's and especially if it's projected to be a close game like it is, just just make it. Like I believe the line on this game was basically like even, pretty much. Yeah. Um, last time I checked, it was even. Um, so I mean, it's projected to be a pretty close game. Just make your kicks. Just and do it. We are in store for I think a solid division matchup. One more thing before we get out of here. Let's do some final score predictions. I will throw mine out there first. I think it's a low-scoring affair, as we've said the entire past hour. 
Um, I'll go 24-21 Bucks. Okay. Um, you know, I this is actually bad because my prediction post is coming out tomorrow, which we're recording this on Thursday, so prediction comes out on Friday. And I really don't have a specific final score, but let me think here. I'll go... All right, no worries. I like putting tw- you on the spot. 23... 23-21 Panthers. Really? Prove it. They got to prove it to me, man. Like, the, the whole right side of the offensive line's out against one of the best pass rushers, one of the best pass rushes, rushes uh, so, excuse me, um, in the NFL. So, prove it to me. Like, really. Like, no, I mean this that's is, been it's it's a it's a London game. It's going to be a weird game. I think it's truly a coin flip, um, and yeah, I just think Carolina's going to keep riding the hot hand with Kyle Allen, and I just don't think the Buccaneers will just play. They'll play fine, but it just I don't think it'll be enough. Yeah, I mean you really don't want history to repeat itself, but like we said, history does not favor the Bucks when they play in the United Kingdom, so it'll be interesting. That's been your motto all season as well, is uh, prove it to me. And hopefully the Bucks can do that when they face the Panthers. Sunday, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London, 9.30 a.m. So, ladies and gents, I hope you have your eggs and bacon ready. And also, just a, a little disclaimer. If the Bucks had their right side of the offensive line, I probably would have picked them to win. Just, like, flip-flop the winner. Um, probably would have been, like, 23, 21 bucks. But I just think having Josh Wilson or Watford on that line just... Yeah, I, I think Earl Watford can do the job well. I think he's going to hold the hell out of some people. <clears throat> like I said, I think we'll see a few penalties from him. Uh, but I worry the most about Josh Wells, especially him playing offensive tackle. Um, so to be a coin flip, just like you said, especially with those guys on the line. But I think if the left side of the line can pick up the slack and play well, we should be okay. Because I'd rather have three out of five great linemen than, you know, a unit that just looks lost like they did in New Orleans. So it'll really be interesting to see, and it's definitely going to come down to, uh, I guess, the trenches and which defense bends but doesn't break. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching with video, whether it was on YouTube or BucksReport.com. You can follow the show on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All of those are pretty much Cannon Fire Podcasts, so if you search it, you will find us. You can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram and Twitter at BucksWave. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. If you follow me, chances are I'll follow you back. Before we go, we've got a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Pinecrest Printing and Signs. Do you need an image for your business? Well, Pinecrest Printing has got you covered in more ways than one. They've been providing the Tampa Bay business community with quality commercial printing and design since 2001. Their printing professionals are ready to provide you with quality marketing solutions for today's industry. Posters, cut vinyl, magnets, wide format, banners, decals, vehicle wraps, and much, much more. These guys have it all. Give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. Buccaneers face a tough task, the farthest they'll ever be from Airman James Stadium this season, and they do it Sunday morning against the Carolina Panthers. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan, and we'll talk to you guys after the game. Go Bucks!
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.